My name is Brent Fugate. I'm the senior pastor here at Byfield Parish Church. And just want to thank you. I know we have a lot of folks that aren't normally here with us today, whether that's being here because of family or just the holiday season or whatever. I want to thank you for being here and also just, just recognize uh, it's, really, it's really cool to have the different generations that make up the church partaking in its life, leading in worship. And that's something that we prioritize here at Byfield Parish. Sometimes it gets a little messy, uh, but that mess is worthwhile because ultimately it is within that mess that uh, we are discipled everywhere from, you know, a very young age from the kids that were up here helping light the Advent candles this morning that I think are, you know, three, three and six years old, somewhere in that ballpark, all the way up to people that are, that are, I don't know, I wouldn't say elderly. They're young at heart. They're young at heart, right? So um, when I was a kid, the church I grew up in would have these guest preachers every once in a while. And most of these people, I don't remember anything about them. I cannot picture what they looked like in my head. And I certainly don't remember the sermons they preached. They were a bit like Charlie Brown's mom in my memory, just that wah, 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 or, you know, like I, I can't really nail anything down about it. There is one preacher that is the exception, the exception to my childhood recollections or the lack thereof. I don't remember this guy's name, but I can picture him. I remember him well. The reason I could not forget this preacher even if I wanted to, is he had this horrific stutter. And he, he dragged his feet as he walked. He kind of lurched across the platform. I think he might have had some form of cerebral palsy. I, I'm not going to impersonate him because it would appear that I was making fun of him. And that's not my intent. When he preached, felt like every word was being just ripped out of his inmost being. It obviously took him tremendous effort to speak, and when he did, spit would fly everywhere. This preacher, let's call him Stephen, was an amazing preacher. No person walked out of the service in which he preached Untouched, the power of his sermons was tied to the condition he suffered from. His struggles lent credibility to his words. Stephen's circumstances were unusual. The way his Christian faith caused him to respond to those circumstances should not be. Today's sermon will be from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. You can turn there now if you like in the Pew Bible. Those verses will also be projected on the screen behind me. If you are using the Pew Bible, it is, again, page 898. We will begin reading in chapter 7, verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called them. This is my rule in all churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? 
Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You are bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Christianity is not a test tube religion. It doesn't require a perfectly designed environment in which to thrive. In pretty much every situation people have ever found themselves in, there have been Christians. In unimaginably difficult scenarios, they have lived out the life to which God has called them. I aspire to a faith that is not circumstantial. In good times and bad, I want my trust in Jesus Christ to sustain me. The verses we just read, which describe a reality foreign to our experience, nevertheless inform how we should live out our faith in whatever condition each was called. Through Christ, with God, each person can live the life God has assigned. The situation you find yourself in is not random. It's not random. The Lord has assigned to each person a life. Consider the variables that have impacted who you are today the most. You were born either male or female. That is a significant deciding factor in the person you are today. Your gender means you have more of certain hormones and less of others. These hormones have a huge impact on the way both men and women think. If you were born the opposite gender from what you were, you would not be the person you are now. Each of us has a family and a culture of origin, a setting into which we were born. Germans would call this your Sitz in Leben, your place in life that shapes your expectations of the world. You would experience the world differently if you were born in Germany, Cambodia, or to a lesser extent, if you were born in New Mexico instead of New England. We could go on and on listing the factors that impact your life. One thing my wife Anne and I have been talking about recently is how our kids will see the world differently because of their experience of coronavirus over the past couple of years. 
Just as people who grew up in the Great Depression were often frugal, my kids will probably have some tendencies that are common to their generation that remain to be seen. Maybe they will be germaphobes, or maybe they will be more able to learn outside of structured environments. I, I really have no idea. When I look back over my life, a variable that determined who I became was the lack of male student leadership in my church youth group. When I was in the eighth grade, I was for all intents and purposes, the oldest and most mature male in my youth group. Prior to that time, I had never been a leader in any area. My church youth group gave me an opportunity to grow from a shy, quiet kid into someone who wanted to lead. None of these variables that impact who a person becomes is news to God. He sees everything before we experience it. David makes this point beautifully in Psalm 139. He writes, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How God determines the story we exist in is unknown to all. Why do, why do some people have harder lives than others? How would you be different if your parents had been Cambodians or Hispanic? These are not insignificant questions. Our circumstances impact the person we become. Every person can have confidence that God has called them to exist in the situation they inhabit. Before we talk about what this means, let's be clear about what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that the status quo you find yourself in is good in and of itself. Some people were born into abusive families. God knew the family every person would be born into. God placing an, a person into an abusive family in no way means that that family is good. The fact God calls each of us to a certain setting also does not mean that our actions in that setting are inconsequential. We can make situations worse or better depending on what we do. If I was born into a really wealthy family, but I refused to ever work and spent money like water, I'm probably going to end up being poor. If I was born into a really poor family, but worked really hard and applied myself, there's a chance I could become very 
wealthy. Actions matter in every circumstance. The confidence that God has placed us in the story we find ourselves in affects the way we live. We are to live out our faith in the situation we have been called to. The Christians that Paul was addressing in Corinth thought their situation was their main problem. They thought their personal identities were determined by their situation. Paul asked, was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Circumcision was a significant indicator of identity at the time. Paul says, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. The situation Christians exist in is not what matters. Our situation impacts who we are. It does not determine who we are in the ways that matter most. What does count is keeping the commandments of God. Doing well in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in should take all of our attention. Living out God's commands in challenging circumstances is in and of itself a great challenge. If these verses ended there, we might accept them relatively easily. Verse 21 and following are kind of curveball. Let's, let's read verse 21 and 22. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity, for he who is called the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a bondservant of Christ. A bondservant is a slave. You would probably not be surprised to learn these verses were popular in the South prior to the Civil War. Masters on plantations would recite 1 Corinthians 7, 21 and 22 to their slaves. Although they liked Ephesians 6, 5 through 7 even more, those verses say, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Paul saying slaves should obey their masters, it's kind, of, it's kind of cringeworthy from our perspective. The use of such verses by slave owners is yet one more example of a group using the Bible out of context for advocate, to advocate for a position that goes against what the Bible actually has to say when engaged with holistically. The Bibles that were given to slaves pre-Civil War did, include, did not include large parts of the Old Testament because the book of Exodus, in which God freed the enslaved Israelites. 
Masters were not quoting the New Testament book of Philemon, which tells slave owners to treat their slaves as brothers. It is important to add that the legal and cultural realities of slavery in the Roman world differed from what took place in the New World. That's not a defense of Roman slavery practices. They were still unjust, even if they were less horrific than the chattel slavery of the United States pre-Civil War. It can be a bit frustrating to modern Christians that the Bible doesn't just come out and say slavery is wrong. What we have to understand is that in a real way, this passage is not about slavery. Yes, Paul is talking to slaves. He is really just talking to anyone that is in circumstances that are not their preference. Christians have to learn how to keep the commandments of God in bad circumstances. Everyone has to exist in situations that are bad at times. A way out is not always available or advisable. You can't switch families just because yours is messed up. Even if you could, you would find the family that you switch to also has issues. All families have issues. When it comes to our cultural situation, we can't just change it. I would love it if we could. I would rewind the cultural clock back to about 1991. I'm not saying that I wish I was currently the age that I was in 1991. I am saying I would like to be a married 40-year-old father of four boys trying to pastor a church in 1991. The United States had just won the Cold War. There was no internet. It was cool to wear flannel. I like flannel. Sitcoms cared more about entertaining than perpetuating an agenda. And the median U.S. home price was $120,000. Adjusted for inflation, that would be $215,000 in today's currency. 1991 sounds nice to me. I have to live in 2021. Soon, I will have to live in 2022. 1991, it's not coming back. These verses are a pastoral response to a difficult situation that Christians at the time couldn't change. People often use their situation as an excuse for their own shortcomings. In Paul's day, there were those who probably said, I will start living as a Christian once I get out of this slavery. Today, there are those waiting to finish school, find a new job, or for some family shift to happen. By removing the situation we are in as the primary focus, these verses are telling the original readers and us to put our focus elsewhere. 
We have to learn to live in the conditions in which we were called. We should seek to be what God has called us to be in those conditions. What ultimately defines Christians is not our circumstances, but who we are in the Lord. This point is made in verse 22, which says, For he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. Too often we live as if our worldly identities are what really matters. We allow our worldly status to define us. We see ourselves according to the roles we inhabit, parent, child, employee, boss. Those roles then determine the decisions we make. Anyone with this take will understandably be focused on their situation. Unhappiness is an indication that things need to change. Many who feel this way jump from thing to thing, searching for a new situation in which they can be a different person. Others resign themselves to being miserable in the situation they are in. The problem with seeking a new situation is that you are always there, okay? What matters is our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our relationship with him determines who we ultimately are. We are free from the world in Christ. We are constrained by Christ in the world. It is not that our earthly situations have no impact. It is that relative to who we are in Christ, our earthly station is secondary. That is not where our attention should be. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Paul isn't saying we shouldn't improve our lives if we have the opportunity. A couple of sentences before, he informed Christians who were bondservants if they can gain their freedom, they should avail themselves of the opportunity. These verses are not a reason to refuse a promotion at work. He is not saying to do nothing about a problematic relationship. We are not supposed to be passive. Even when our daily reality stinks, Christians can be a proactive presence. Whatever condition a Christian finds themselves in, even if we can't change it, especially when we can't change it. We can live out our faith. We are not alone. God is with us through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. He is present. This truth means the situation we are in may not change, but we can be different even when life is hard. Paul was able to be content in all situations by believing this fully. He practiced what he preached. I don't know what happened 
to the preacher that I referred to as Stephen at the beginning of this sermon. There's a chance he is still alive. If he is, I doubt his life has gotten any easier in the intervening decades. It is more likely that he has passed on. His life seemed so difficult to me as a kid. I'm sure it was. There were probably times that he cried out to God for his situation to change. I'm sure he wanted clearer speech and an ability to walk without lurching. What was inspiring to all who interacted with him was that he did not let the difficult circumstances of his life define him. He managed to live well in the situation he was called. He could do so because he was not alone. God was with him. He was not his diagnosis or his disability. He was a disciple of the living God. He was defined by who he was in Christ. Living in this world involves living in conditions that are often less than ideal. Those conditions should not determine who a Christian is or how we should live. Who we are in Christ does. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. We do so with God, no matter how challenging the circumstance. We are not alone. God is with us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, in this Advent season, we celebrate the reality of God being with us, that Jesus came into this world to come into human experience that God became fully present in human life, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that you are still present with us through your spirit, Lord. And I pray that that would be the relationship that defines who we are and how we interact with the world. Thank you for your mercy and your blessing to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.